0: Okay, the last time we met, we started to examine the Satipatthana Sutta, the discourse on the foundations of mindfulness, and the last time we explained the introductory passage of the Sutta, and we started to deal with the first topic of meditation under the contemplation of the body that is mindfulness of breathing. <coughs> and we explain the introductory passage to that where the Buddha describes the appropriate conditions for undertaking the practice of mindfulness of breathing. That is, the monk or the meditator goes to the forest, to the foot of a tree, or to an empty place, sits down and crosses the legs, keeps the body erect, and sets up mindfulness in front of him. And the Pali for this last phrase, parimugtang satin upatapetva, it's often explained as setting up mindfulness in front of the face, in the area around the nostrils or the upper lip, where one feels the sensation of the air coming in and out as one breathes. Okay, and now the Buddha comes into the explanation of the actual method of practice. First, he says, ever mindful he breathes in and mindful he breathes out. Breathing in a long breath, he knows I am breathing in a long breath. Breathing out a long breath, he knows I am breathing out a long breath. Breathing in a short breath, he knows I am breathing in a short breath. Breathing out a short breath. He knows I am breathing out a short breath. Okay, in this paragraph, the Buddha explains two basic types of mindfulness that are to be established in doing the practice, undertaking the practice of anapanasati. There is the noting of the in-breath or out-breath when it's long, as long, that's one. And then there is the knowing of the in- or out-breath when it is short. The first sentence just shows the way the meditator starts up The practice, just becoming mindful of breathing in and breathing out. Once that basic mindfulness is established then the meditator should note the length of the breath, simply whether it's long or short. Sometimes in the practice of Anapanasati, When mindfulness of breathing is being developed as a samatha subject of meditation, that is for the purpose of developing concentration or samadhi, the emphasis is placed upon first counting the breath, sometimes counting in-breath and out-breath as one, then another in-breath, out-breath as two, and so on up to ten. And that practice is followed when anapanasati is intended to simply to deepen concentration and tranquility of mind. But in the Satipatthana Sutta, The emphasis of the practice is geared towards vipassana, towards insight. And so the Buddha, when he explains the practice for vipassana, he begins simply by telling the meditator to be aware of the length of the breath. If it's a long breath, one notes it as long, If it's a short breath, one notes it as short. There should not be any attempt to control the breathing, to make it long or to make it short, but just one breathes in and out naturally, through the nostrils, with the attention fixed at the nostrils or the upper lip, wherever one Feels the sensations of the breath coming in and out, and then one simply makes the mental note. If it's a long breath, that's a breath of long duration, then one just will breathe in, noting long, long, long. If it's a long out breath, then when one is breathing out, one will note note long long, long. If it's a quick breath or a short breath, then one will just note when breathing in, short, short. When breathing out, short, short. And so the initial practice is simply to note the length of the breath when breathing in and breathing out. And those two are the first two, you can say, first two steps of Anapanasati. But we shouldn't think that, that you progress from step one, the long breath, to step two, the short breath. Rather, these two steps occur together depending upon the length of the breath. And it seems that generally as the breathing calms down and becomes more quiet the breath will tend to become slower and longer. Whereas at the beginning the breath is quicker and therefore shorter. So I don't know why, because of that, why he begins with long breath and follows it by short breath. But perhaps it's just to show that sometimes the rate of breathing will change even after a period of taking long breaths. Then there might come a quick breath or a short breath, which one just notes as short, short. Then the third phase or step of Anapanasati, In the Pali, it reads, Sabakaya Patisangvedi Asasamiti Pajanati and Sabakaya Patisangvedi Pasasi Pasisamiti Pajanati. Literally, this means experiencing the whole body. I shall breathe in, and experiencing the whole body, I shall breathe out. Thus he trains himself. But the commentary explains that in this stage or step, what is to be noted in its wholeness or entirety? is the entire act of in-breath and out-breath. And the commentary explains the phrase "subakaya," entire body, to mean the entire breath body, which is why the translator here inserts the word breath in brackets. And what this means is that when the concentration improves so that one can easily note when there's a long breath, when there's a short breath, and one can follow the breath in and out quite consistently without the mind wandering and becoming distracted. Then, to sharpen his focus on the breath, the meditator will try to note each act of in-and-out breathing in its entirety. And the commentary explains that in any action of in-breath or out-breath, there are three phases or stages. The beginning, middle, and end. In the case of the in-breath, the beginning is just the first impact of air when one is, starts to breathe in. Just when one finishes breathing out, then one breathes in, and there's an initial intake of air. That is the beginning. Then everything that follows that is the middle, up to the final point of cessation of the breathing. When one completes the in-breath, then there's a little final pull which brings the in-breath to an end. That's the end. And so when one is training to experience the whole breath body while breathing in, one should be trying to note the beginning, then the middle, it's the entire intake of air, and then the end where the breath stops. Then there's a little momentary pause. Then comes the out breath, which also has the same three phases. The beginning is the initial puffing out of the air, <laughs> the initial uh, pressure of the exhalation then everything that follows that in the course of the air coming out is the middle and then just at the point where the outbreath comes to a stop that's the end of the outbreath okay so now the meditator is noting when breathing in he's trying to experience Beginning, the middle, then the end of the in-breath. And when breathing out, he's trying to become aware of the beginning, the middle, and the end of the out-breath. sometimes... People who hear this instruction on following the three stages, beginning, middle, and end, think that in the in-breath, the beginning is the nostrils, then one should follow the breath in the middle, that's through the nostrils, down the throat, into the lungs, and then when breathing out, that one should follow the breath from the lungs, through the throat, then through the nostrils, till the breath has been exhaled. But that explanation is rejected by the commentary. Rather, the attention is always supposed to remain at the nostrils or the upper lip wherever one feels the impact of the air and one notices the beginning just as the beginning of the breath, the middle as the intake, the full intake of the air and the end as the cessation of the breathing in. But the attention is always in the same area, the area around the nostrils. Okay, as the meditator goes on observing the breath, then the breathing becomes finer and finer, subtler and subtler. And then we come to the fourth step in the explanation of Anapanasati, which is Calming the activity of the body, I shall breathe in, thus he trains himself. And calming the activity of the breath body, I shall breathe out, thus he trains himself. In Pali, this reads, Kaya sankara patisambainto asasim asisamiti sikati kaya sankara patisambaito pasasi pasisamiti sikati. And literally that would mean calming the activity of the body. I shall breathe in and calming the activity of the body I shall breathe out. Thus he trains himself. But the commentary explains that what's meant by Kaya Sankara bodily activity here is the breathing itself. The breathing is called bodily activity because it's a type of activity that takes place in dependence on the body. And it's also said that one should not make a deliberate attempt to calm down the breathing. What one attempts to do is to maintain mindfulness of the breathing, the in-and-out breathing. But as the mindfulness and concentration increase, then the breathing also calms down and becomes quiet. Sometimes the breathing becomes so fine and subtle that it seems That it disappears. In that case, it said one should not become excited and think one has reached some state of either jhana or enlightenment, but one should be aware simply that the breathing has become very subtle and very much refined. And so one just keeps the attention, the awareness, at the nostrils, trying to observe more and more closely until, as one observes, one will again catch the sensation of the breath coming in and going out. And so that constitutes the fourth step the calming, the activity of the breath body as one breathes in and breathes out. Then to illustrate the way the meditator should apply his attention the Buddha uses the example of what he calls a turner. Actually this would be a man who operates a lathe. A lathe is an instrument used for grinding round objects. And so just as a skillful turner or his apprentice when he's operating a lathe if he has a big object say a wheel to grind on the lathe then when he's making a long turn of the object then he knows I am making a long turn or if he has a small object to be turned like a screw or a bolt Then when he's turning it, he'll have to make short turns. And so when he makes a short turn, he knows I am making a short turn. In the same way, the Buddha says, when breathing in a long breath, one is aware I am breathing in a long breath. When breathing out a long breath, one is aware I am breathing out a long breath the same when breathing in a short breath one is aware (laughs) breathing in a short breath and when breathing out a short breath one is aware of breathing out a short breath okay so that is the initial mode of attention after one gets into the basic mindfulness of breathing in and out then one simply observes whether the breath is long or short. Then as concentration gets stronger then one has to train oneself and it's important to note that the Buddha here uses the word sikati that he trains himself that he makes a special effort when breathing in to experience the whole in-breath the beginning, middle, and end and when breathing out to experience the whole out-breath the three phases, beginning, middle, and end Then As the concentration gets still more refined, then the meditator observes the calming of the activity of the body, of the breathing that takes place when he's breathing in and out. Now when Anapanasati is developed in the mode of Samatha, aimed at concentration, the objective is simply to note the sensation of the breathing in and out, as one is breathing in and out, and to try to exclude all objects, all other objects from the mind, and just to become aware of the impression of the breath as it's going in and out. And one tries to exclude any kind of diversity in that impression. One just aims to get a very simplified object, very simplified sensation around the nostrils until there arises a nimitta that is a special kind of object that can appear like a star or a light or like a moon. And then one goes on attending to that nimitta in order for the mind to get more and more concentrated and to enter into jhāna. But in the practice of satipatthana, the emphasis is not upon deepening the concentration to the extent that one enters into absorption, into jhāna, but rather the emphasis is upon noting all the changing sensations from moment to moment. So when one is practicing Anapanasati in the mode of Satipatthana as a means for developing insight, when there are little changes in the sensations, as one is breathing in and out, then one will be noting them. Sometimes the breathing will be somewhat jerky, it will come in little steps. Sometimes it will come more smoothly. In that case, one is observing all the sensations from moment to moment. If the breath is coming smoothly, one is experiencing that smooth sensation. If it's jerky or uneven, one is experiencing the jerky sensations. And so one is getting a very, very precise awareness of all the different aspects of the breathing. Then to show the way in which Anapanasati should be practiced in the mode of vipassana, the Buddha adds this final paragraph to his explanation. And this paragraph comes after every exercise in the Satipatthana Sutta. It shows the different stages through which the meditation passes in order to become a means for developing insight. Insight into the true nature of the bodily process and the mental process. First, the Buddha uses or explains the practice in terms of three different points of emphasis. He says that the meditator lives contemplating the body in the body internally. That is kaya kaya anupassivi uccetangva kaya kaya vi harati. Or he lives contemplating the body in the body externally, bahidava. Or he lives contemplating the body in the body internally and externally, achata bahidava, kayekayanupasi viharati. Okay, now this is the way this paragraph should be understood. In the main part of one's practice, the way one develops anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing, is through one's own body, that is, internally, ajitan. One can't really develop a meditation of Anapanasati by considering the breathing of somebody else. (laughs) One has to get the awareness, the attention, focus on one's own breathing until one can see the nature of the breathing process in one's own body. But then to get after the meditator becomes skilled and accomplished in contemplating the in and out breathing on his own body, he might to get a balanced and comprehensive view of the nature of the breathing process he might briefly turn his attention just to consider that all other living beings are also breathing or he might be observing somebody else who's breathing and see the movement of their body as they're breathing just to get a confirmation of the fact that breathing is taking place by others as well or he might just briefly let his attention cover the entire world and consider that all living beings in the world are also breathing in and out. And so we can see the universality of the breath process, that it's something which is sustaining all living beings, that all living beings of necessity must breathe in and out. then he might consider very quickly, in succession, that others are breathing in and out externally, (coughs) then he'll consider that now I am breathing in and out. Then follow that, moving his attention back and forth, others breathing in and out, I'm breathing in and out. But this can just be done just for very short periods just to widen the view or to widen the understanding but if one tries to keep one's attention on the fact that others are breathing then it's easy for the mind to become distracted and so after undertaking that just for a short period then the meditator will bring the mind back to his own in and out breathing, to stabilize the attention and to recover his full mindfulness. Okay, as the next phase in the practice, the Buddha says that the meditator lives contemplating origination factors in the body, or he lives contemplating dissolution factors in the body, or he lives contemplating origination and dissolution factors in the body. In the Pali, the contemplating origination factors is Samudaya nupassī Viharati. kāye Samudaya nupassī Viharati. And dissolution factors is Vaya Dhamma. So he lives contemplating dissolution factors in the body or he lives contemplating both origination and dissolution factors in the body that's samudaya vayadhamanupasi viharati okay the origination factors in the body this is explained by the commentary to mean, in the case of Anapanasati, the factors which are necessary for breathing to take place. In order for the breathing to take place there must be the physical body, one needs the nasal passage where the air goes in and out, and one needs life or vitality in the body and some degree of consciousness and so to, cons- to contemplate the origination factors in the body the commentary says one considers or contemplates the fact that breathing in and out breathing is something which is dependently arisen It arises, it occurs, independence on the body, it depends on the nasal passage, it depends on mind or consciousness. If there is no body, then to contemplate the dissolution factors, according to the commentary, means to consider that if any of those necessary conditions for the body is absent, if there's no body, if there's no nasal passage, if there's no life in the body, no consciousness, then breathing will not occur. So that's the explanation and the commentary. But meditation teachers give another explanation, which to myself actually seems better, and that is to consider the origination factors in the body, is to consider the, or to observe the arising of each different phase in the breathing process. And then, to contemplate the dissolution factor, is to observe the cessation of that phase in the breathing. And then, to contemplate the origination and dissolution factors together, is to observe, in each breath, the constant arising and passing away of various bodily phenomena connected with the breath. For example, to explain how this occurs, when one originally is directing the attention to the entire breath body, breathing in, one is aware of the three phases in, but beginning, middle, and end. And so one sees these three phases as distinct. Then, as one goes on attending, one will see, even in the middle phase, many, many little steps making up the breath. Somewhat like a cinematic film where Apparently, continuous motion is taking place on the film, but if you run the film at slow motion, then you'll see separate frames following each other. And so, as one observes the breath more and more closely, it becomes broken up into little steps, little phases. And each of these has a beginning which we can consider the origination factor, and each has an end, which is like the dis, which is the dissolution factor. And so sometimes the attention will be fixed on the origination factors; one will be observing the arising of each little step in breathing in and out. Sometimes the attention will rivet on the dissolution factor, watching the cessation of each of these steps. Sometimes one will see both together. And then the Buddha gives a third way in which Anapanasati is practiced in the mode of developing insight and that is given by the phrase or his mindfulness is, stabli- is established with the thought the body exists or there is a body in Pali ati kayoti va okay, his mindfulness is established to the ex- to that extent necessary just for knowledge and mindfulness so in this phase of practice one is now not focusing the attention on any very fine and precise object. But one is simply observing the body as a body, which is sitting there, breathing in and out. So one is just mindful of the body, and that mindfulness of the body is now sufficient for knowledge to arise, or understanding, and for mindfulness to grow stronger. Usually when one is breathing, one thinks, I am breathing, this is my body which is breathing. But now, because the meditator has advanced quite high in his practice, He's is able just to attend to the bare fact that this is a body breathing, that the breathing is occurring on its own without any self or any I behind the process, which is the subject of the in and out breathing. And then the next phase shows the result or consequent of success in the practice of Anapanasati. That he lives detached and he clings to nothing in the world. that as his understanding of the nature of the body his insight into the nature of the body deepens then he discards his wrong views about the body taking the body clinging to it as being I and mine and also his attachment or his craving that's bound up with the body, that diminishes and gets eliminated because he sees the body as being just an impermanent material phenomena which occurs through through conditions. And which is arising and passing away and which exists without any owner, any truly existent person who is behind the body, who is behind the in and out breathing. And so then the Buddha concludes the instruction by saying that this, in this way, a monk lives contemplating the body in the body. Okay, if there are any questions about this, then... Please feel free to to ask them now. Okay. Yeah. Is it still the body or the physical body? Where it says the body exists? The the body I would take it to be the entire body, but since this comes under Anapanasati, under the instructions for Anapanasati, one would be aware of the body breathing, so one would also be aware simply of, I take it as a body which is breathing in and out, but I take body here to refer to the entire physical body, not just to the breath body. Thank you, sir. As it's kaya nupasana, it can be taken as the body, though also, as I said, the commentary explains in some passages, kaya, it interprets as the breath body. But here in that last phrase, that the mindfulness is established only with the thought the body exists, I take the body there to be the physical body, But observed in the act of breathing. And I take it in this passage, when one is doing that contemplation, the attention is brought away from a narrow focus on the nostrils. So the attention is just allowed to encompass the body as a whole just to observe it in the act of breathing. Internally and externally, yeah. Internally is contemplating in one's own body. Externally is I would say, reflectively considering the breathing taking place in the bodies of others. I don't quite think that you could see that at this point. To, for the sense of I to dissolve, I think one will have to go through the contemplation of the origination and dissolution factors. But I think when one contemplates, sends the contemplation back and forth from one's own body to consider others as breathing, one gets a very, it's almost like an awesome picture of the universality of the process of breathing. That one, one will see that like the whole world is breathing in and out that this is a kind of universal process taking place, not just something that I am doing myself. And also one could consider, not only that it's other living beings, or people, or animals that are breathing, but also all vegetation is breathing. So vegetation breathes in carbon dioxide and gives off oxygen but also it's constantly breathing in and out. Then I'd say that the contemplation of the origination and dissolution will heighten the perception of impermanence of a Nietzsche. And from that, one can go to the perception of anatta, non-self. Or else the contemplation, I would say, of just the body existing, breathing. The knowledge that the body exists, that that will give understanding of anatta. Because one is seeing the body as just something existing by itself, and breathing in dependence on conditions, that there's not an I that sits there saying, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, but it's just a self-regulating process. Okay, any other? okay then we'll go to the next the next exercise in contemplation which is the contemplation of the postures of the body in pali this is called iriyapatta which is sometimes translated the modes of deportment the ways in which one carries the body around. And here this is explained very simply, though it has very deep implications. The Buddha says, further monks When he is going, a monk knows, I am going. When he is standing, he knows, I am standing. When he is sitting, he knows, I am sitting. When he is lying down, he knows, I am lying down. For just as his body is disposed, In that way, he knows it. Now, as an exercise in meditation, the observation or contemplation of the postures of the body usually is developed primarily with the action of walking. It's what's called chankama meditation, which is walking back and forth. And that would be what's intended by the Buddha's explanation, when he is going, the monk knows I am going. Of course, an ordinary person, when he's walking, also, he, know, he knows that he's walking. But what's meant by knowing here is not simply that very general knowledge or awareness that any ordinary person has. But this is a very strongly developed, well-developed, mindful awareness of The action that one is engaged in, the position of the body. And so, as it's taught as an exercise for walking meditation, the meditator will choose a passage for walking, usually about 20-25 paces in length. Then he will walk first going forward, in one direction, becoming aware of each step as he is taking that step. Right, left, right, left. When he reaches the end of the walking, of the walkway, then he stops and becomes aware of stopping. As he is standing there, He knows he is standing, that's the second posture. He notes the body standing for just two or three turns, then he turns around, and then walks in the other direction, aware of each step, right, left, right, left until he comes to the end of the walkway, then again, aware of standing, standing, then turning around, turning around, then walking back. The turning around would be included under the last phrase, just as his body is disposed, in that way he knows it. This can be taken to include any position of the body which is different from the four main positions, like when turning around, when stretching or bending, kneeling, when preparing to lie down, any of these other, or preparing to sit down any of these intermediate junctures between two main postures can be considered incorporated in the last phrase. And so the meditator goes on walking back and forth, then after the attention or the mindfulness develops some familiarity with this process, then usually the meditation teachers say that one should start dividing the walking or each step in the walking into three stages. In each step one will note the picking up of the foot then the bringing of the foot forward which we can call pushing and then putting the foot down, which can be noted as putting. And so we could use words beginning with P for all three of these. Picking, pushing, putting. And so with each step, and one is not just concerned to put the label to the process, but one should become aware as closely and as thoroughly as we, one can of the entire action of picking up the foot, pushing it forward, putting it down. Sometimes the last step, the last phase, can be divided into two other phases so that we get four. Putting down is one, and then pushing against the ground is another. So one gets picking, picking, <laughs> pushing forward, putting down, pushing down. Or maybe you could say picking, pulling forward. Picking, pulling, putting, pushing. And then one will do that continuously until mindfulness becomes very, very strong. Then some meditation teachers teach a method of practicing contemplation of the body when sitting, just to be aware of sitting. Here one is not attending to the breath or to anything else but continually trying to bring the attention to the sensation of we say the panoramic sensation of the body in the sitting posture this is a very it's a very difficult practice to begin with one has to develop experience in meditation using some subject which gives you a clear object to constantly be aware, aware of, like the in or out breathing. But after one has developed some power of concentration, then one can become aware just of the body, one sitting, the wear of sitting, and noticing all of these sensations that are involved in the action of sitting. And then when somebody is, if he's practicing all day long and at the end of the day, lying down for sleep or during the day if lying down to take a rest, then one becomes aware when lying down, one attends just to the posture of the body in lying down being aware of lying down. The usual method of practice and insight or vipassana meditation is for the sitting, periods of sitting meditation to use anapanasati where some teachers use the rise and fall of the abdomen and then to alternate that practice with periods of walking meditation shakman bhavana or sakman bhavana then also this practice is to be developed or can be developed in according to the same pattern that the Buddha has laid down for all the exercises in Satipatthana. Of course the main practice when one is doing the walking meditation will be to be contemplating the body in the body internally considering one's own walking. But then, for short periods, one might consider that other beings are also walking. Or else, if one is standing, sitting, lying down, one considers that others are also engaging their body in one or another of those postures then one can live contemplating the origination factors in the body. Or contemplating the dissolution factors in the body. Or one can live contemplating the origination and dissolution factors in the body. The commentary explains this according to (coughs) the formula of dependent origination that one considers that the body originates from previous ignorance and craving (coughs) and karma and that it is maintained in the present by nutriment, by food and that one considers that if ignorance, craving, and karma stop, or if the body is deprived of food, then the body dissolves, or stops. But also meditation teachers explain the origination and dissolution factors also to be noting in the present the arising and passing away of physical phenomena in the modes of deportment. For example, in the most general way, when one is walking, one is aware of walking. When one comes to the end of the walkway, then one is aware that one stops walking, so one is aware of a dissolution factor that the walking posture has stopped and now a new posture, standing, has originated. Then one is noting standing, standing. Then when one starts to turn, one notices that the standing posture has ended and now the turning has started. And turning itself will have several stages, each one begins and ends. Each one is separate and distinct from the other stage. Then when one stops turning, again one is standing. Standing, one notes that the turning has stopped, and standing has arisen. Then one decides to walk, and so one is aware that standing has stopped and now walking has started. That's in a very general way. One is seeing arising and ceasing of different postures. But then as the attention and the awareness go on contemplating the walking one will see that each step has its arising and passing away. The step with the left foot begins and ends. The step with the right foot begins and ends. And So one is observing arising and passing away from step to step. Then one can be seeing in one single step There's the beginning, or there's the lifting or picking up of the foot, that has a beginning and an end. Then bringing the foot forward, pulling forward, that also has a beginning and an end. Then putting the foot down, has a beginning and an end. And pushing on the foot, has a beginning and an end. So in that way, one comes to contemplate origination factors and dissolution factors in subtler and subtler levels. And also in contemplating the origination and dissolution factors in relation to the postures One comes to see the role of mind, or intention in controlling the postures of the body. One sees that the mind gives the command, walk, and then the body starts walking. So here, the intention, the chaitana, volition, is an origination factor for the walking. When one comes to the end of the walkway, the mind says stop, then the body stops. And so here, mind is the origination factor for standing to take place. The mind says turn, and when the body starts to turn, The mind says, stop, the body stops. The mind says, remain standing, and one is standing. The mind says, right foot, and the right foot moves. The mind says, left foot, and the left foot moves. And so one sees how the mind is originating each posture of the body. Okay and then his mindfulness may be established on the body with the thought the body exists to the extent just necessary for knowledge and mindfulness that here after one's very fine very accurately focused mindfulness has become very very strong then one can draw the mindfulness back and just get a kind of overall or comprehensive awareness of the body as just a body just this physical object walking standing sitting down, lying down, turning around, stretching, bending, kneeling, whatever. And so with this, one gets a view or understanding of the body as being just a body. A physical object engaged in the different postures And one sees that the awareness of the posture depends upon the position of the body itself. And then there comes the result of that, that the meditator lives detached and clings to nothing in the world. And in this way also, a monk lives contemplating the body in the body. Okay, and that is the practice of contemplation of the postures. Okay, if there are now any questions on this passage. Yeah. It (laughs) has no control over position. Well, I think you might say that the mind, yeah, the mind originates, but also the mind brings an end to a position by giving the command to stop that position. You know, if one is walking, then when the mind says stop, then the mind is you would say for in relation to the walking position, the mind is a dissolution factor. In relation to the standing position it's an origination factor. Does it mean that origination and dissolution factor? Excuse me? Not at this point. There is later in the section on mindfulness of the body, there is a section on the physical elements, on the Mahabhuttas. Then that also has the passage on origination and dissolution there. And so there, when one comes to that exercise, then one will be contemplating the origination and dissolution of the Mahabhuttas. But here, this is the practice of contemplation of the postures and so one is concerned to note the origination and dissolution of phenomena that take place in relation to the postures. When you say, contemplation of the body, in the body, right? Yeah. I explained that last time, that it means the Buddha wants to show that when one practices these Satipatthana contemplations, one has to isolate the particular object of attention from the other objects with which it might be confused. For example, when we are breathing, say we're breathing, the body is breathing, then we are thinking different thoughts, feeling different sensations, and all of these are occurring together. So there's a body, the kaya, there are feelings, Vedana, and there is thoughts or citta. Now if one is doing anapanasati as kai anupasana, then one wants to just focus on the body itself. Not to be observing the feelings, not to be observing the thoughts, not mixing these together, but just observing the body as a body engaged in the act of breathing. Or maybe a good example is when sitting, when sitting in meditation, one feels the pain in the legs. Then if one is going to concentrate on feelings, then one will just be observing the feelings and not mixing the feelings up with the body or with the thoughts. In that case, then one is contemplating feeling in feeling. And also, I think the Buddha uses that expression to show that one is not identifying any of these objects as being myself or something that's mine. But one sees the body just as a physical phenomenon. And one sees the feeling just as the phenomena of feeling, not my feelings, the feelings that make up myself. And same thing with citta or thoughts and the dhammas, the mental factors. Any further questions? Okay, then we will stop for this evening, and then we will continue again next week. Next Thursday at 4.30.